Welcome to The Sheep Barn, a podcast production from Ohio State University Extension Sheep Team. This is Episode 2. Tim Barnes, Extension Educator in Marion County, discusses current industry trends with Dave Rowe, General Manager of Mid-States Wool Growers. For more content, check out the OSU Sheep Team at sheep.osu.edu. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Tim Barnes uh, here again with uh, The Sheep Barn, a new podcast for getting started for the sheep industry here in Ohio, and I guess we'll extend to other parts of the the country, too. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to visit with Dave Rowe, General Manager of the Mid-States Wool uh, Growers Cooperative. Uh, I guess the facility is located in Canal Winchester. Uh, I guess Dave bringing, talking about these, takes me down memory lane a little bit. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when the Mid-States facility was on Groves Road, when Paul Getz was the manager, Ralph Grimshaw was uh, the sheep extension specialist, and I was involved with the Ohio Sheep Improvement Association, and we always met at that Bob Evans down there on Groves Road, and then we'd go to our meetings at Mid-States. I remember practicing for the FFA wool judging contest at Mid-States there, too, and uh, remember when you had the retail clothing store, too. Plus, uh, and now, you, of course, we'll talk a little more about supplies here and how you do that. But give us a little bit, I guess, uh, of your history, you know, sure. where you've been and where you've gotten to. Um, graduated from Ohio State in animal science back in, in 87. Um, was on the livestock judging team and your, your typical involvements on the Ag College when I was there. Um, I then went to graduate school at Texas A&M University and got a master's degree in feedlot management. Uh, I did an internship with Texas Cattle Feeders Association um, my last semester there and put together the first beef quality assurance program or uh, notebook um, that the industry had. Uh, cattle feeders were out in front of that. Um, they seen a big need for that. Um, I wanted to come back home. I wanted to come back to Ohio. I had opportunities to stay out there. Um, not a lot of opportunities, if you will, here in Ohio with, with the cattle feeding um, background that, 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 I, that I had. Um, so I started selling feed. I did that for about a, a year and a half and found I liked marketing a whole lot better than I like sales. And um, I got into grain marketing and um, working for Clark Landmark in South Charleston. Um, it was a, at that time, 1.8 million bushel grain uh, facility uh, that's now, it's gone through two or three different mergers, uh, acquisitions, and there's now, looks to me like over 3 million bushels there at that, at that location. Um, and then I was, you know, starting to get to the age, I was starting to get an itch to try to do something different. And I figured if I was going to do it, I needed to do it then. And the general manager's position was open at Mid-States. And I applied for it and was fortunate enough to be hired. And it has provided me an opportunity to learn a great deal. Um, I had no idea what wool was when I came here. Um, You know, the sheep that I raised, wool was looked at as just something we had to get off of them every year. And then every three years, we'd haul wool to Groves Road and get rid of it. (laughs) And, um, you know, didn't really care. I mean, we just, we needed to do that and to keep the sheep healthy. And and, uh, so I've learned a great deal being here. Um, 
is kind of ironic in the world circles. I'm still the new guy and um, I'll be 57 years old in July. I've been here 13 years. So it kind of cracks me up that I'm still looked at as the new guy, but that's all right. It just kind of it, good or bad. It kind of shows where the wool industry is that there's not a lot of turnover and, but at the same token, there's not a lot of participants either. And so we're kind of a close knit little group of folks. Well, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, we're so fortunate, I think, as sheep producers here in Ohio to, to have your, your organization based here, number one, and have access to all this. And uh, I know it's a rough industry. Uh, could you tell us a little bit of the history of uh, Mid-States Wool Growers uh, mm-hmm. and how it's, you know, I guess, condensed a little bit here in the last few years? Yes. You know, it began in 1918 as Ohio Wool Growers um, in a warehouse in downtown Columbus. And, you know, in the 50s, it moved out to Groves Road and they built a new facility out there that at the time was, you know, the, the cool thing, I, I think, if you look back in the history of, of things, the the folks that, 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 that began wool growers and as it came through have been have had a lot of foresight um, in, in, in what they've done, that they have built or purchased facilities that gave them a lot of flexibility to do things. And then, you know, then here in the 90s, mid 90s, we, we moved here, um, built a brand new 44,000 square foot facility. Uh, it's got a retail store in it. Um, we've got probably, if not the most advanced grading system in the world, it's one of them. And it allows us to sort out a lot of wool that, um, you know, a lot of the wool that come, we deal predominantly with small producers, smaller flocks, you know, our large flocks are 200 to 400 ewes. Um, primarily, we work with folks that have got 50 to 70 ewes as an average. And um, within that, there's several grades of wool um, that's got to be sorted out to, to get a uniform product um, out, into the, out into the fiber industry. Um, you know, back in the 70s, mid-states merged with mid- Midwest uh, wool growers and um, became mid-states from Ohio Wool. And then, unfortunately, in 2017, due to the contraction of the sheep industry that we've seen for the last 20 years or longer, um, we were forced to close the facility that we had in South Hutchinson, Kansas, and consolidate all of our activities and all of our business back here to Canal Winchester. So it's, yeah, the last few years have been a little bumpy, um, to say the least. But, you know, it was kind of starting to get, you know, the, we just continue to see, in my view, we just continue to see contraction. You know, we've, I've been at Mid-States now for 13 years, and we've seen about a 17% contraction in the United States flock in that amount of time. And, you know, just, it just continues to make, um, it just continues to make doing business more and more difficult each day. I, I was looking at the numbers from ASI uh, last night on, 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 you know, you numbers and top 10 states are all west of the Mississippi. Uh, but when you look at, you know, Ohio east of the Mississippi, I, I guess uh, we're one of the bigger producers. How many states do you draw wool from currently compared to what you did years ago? We're, we're, we're actually going out further. You know, we go all the way up into the New England states, down into the Carolinas. Um, we go all the way to Arizona. Um we don't do much in Colorado and the Dakotas anymore. We did do some business up in there, but it's just the, 
the, the volume that we were getting out of those states and the cost that it was that it was that it was that we were having to endure to get that wool back, whether it was to Kansas or whether it was to here, um, you know, was, was really putting some of that stuff under pressure. We are somewhere, Tim, I'm going to guess in the mid, we're doing business in about half the states okay. um, in the lower United States. Um, many of the states that we don't do business in, there's just not a lot of sheep there or there are a lot of hair sheep. Um, you, you still have a group of guys out there kind of buying for you. Yes. That, you can bring it directly to you or you can go through a buyer that, uh, and yes. I know that's the way it's worked for several years. That's still yeah, we've, you here in the Midwest, us and, and, and Grunwalds are the two primary uh, wool markets, and we both employ um, handlers, which are, you know, not all, but there's a, a high percentage of them are shears. You know, I when I came to Mid-States, I kind of made the statement that a lot of the producers in the Midwest, they have two questions. Will you shear my sheep and will you take my wool? because they've got two needs that day. They need the wool off the sheep and they really don't want to deal with the wool after it's off the sheep. Um, they've got nowhere to put it and they really are going to be interested in you taking it. Now that, again, that doesn't cover everybody, but I think it does cover a vast majority. And so both companies work with shears, um, you know, one, it's a service to the producer, two, it's a service to us. And it's a way for us also to keep the, the 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 transportation cost on getting wool into the warehouse as low as we can. That's one of our biggest expenditures every year is is getting wool into the warehouse. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Uh, I the lack of sheep shears is uh, you know. Do you think uh, we have an adequate number? service it and it's just a matter of timing sometimes or there really isn't that younger generation that wants to do this kind of physical labor i think it's uh, to me it's kind of like the chicken and the egg which comes first um my opinion is, is if we had more sheep we'd have more shears um i think there's i don't i i, I think that that there are there are people out here that would willingly enjoy being employed full-time as a sheep shear and would gladly do that as their profession if they had enough sheep to do it. Um, the problem that we've got is we've, we've got, we, we just continue to lose numbers. And then within everybody's community, it, you're asking the shear to have to travel more. Um, and so they don't get enough done in a day to where a lot of these sheep are being shorn by folks, you know, that are, that are wanting to do it in the evenings or wanting to do it on the weekends as a second job. And, and, and a lot of those folks do it because they just like, they like it. They like meeting the people. Uh, <laughs> they like the physical activity. Um, so I, I, I think it's kind of the two things go together. You know, when I hear folks say, well, there's not enough shears. Well, you know, there's also not enough sheep. And, and, and that's kind of the reason why we're all, when we get our sheep shorn now, you know, we're all having to pay a, a whether we want to call it a, a fuel fee, a setup fee, a travel fee, you know, depending on who you're working with, they've all got a different description for it. But that just in, in and of itself shows, you know, you can't, you know, you, like even in your community, they just can't come in and spend three right. days in Marion. Right, 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 right. You know, yeah. which, would, which would then lower the cost for all of you. 
because, well, you know, hey, I'll put him up tonight. You get him tomorrow night. You know, he gets a meal. He gets a place to stay. And he just kind of moves around where everybody's sharing cost then goes down substantially. But we just we don't have that anymore like we did 30 years ago. Do uh if somebody can't find a sheep share, can they call you and then you can kind of, do you have a list of people? Yes. I know I get some calls that way, but I assumed you did. So, okay. Yes. And, and we've also got it on our website. So you okay. can go to our website. Um, you know, give a there, promo for your website. What is it right now? Yeah. It's, it's www.midstateswoolgrowers.com. And so you can find out some 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 information like that on where folks are at that you can get your sheep shear and get your wool warehouse. Um, and then we've also got an online store to where you can go in there and purchase supplies. Um, and now, um, you know, we started this back when COVID hit. We wanted to try to do something to help the industry. So if you spend $100 or more at MidState, you're going to get free shipping. Um, now there is some, you know, there is some items that we can't offer that on, you know, that are bulky or oversized, or there's some restrictions on some of this stuff that the, that the federal government puts, um, that we've got to factor into that. But for the most part, you know, we're going to get stuff shipped to you for free if you spend over a hundred dollars on it. Good. And, um, but, but that's a place, but, but if you can't find something on there, absolutely give us a call at the warehouse. Um, we're, you know, Stanley Strode is our, um, our wool manager and, has been here 29 years and has got a very good um, feel and a very extensive amount of knowledge about the wool industry and, 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 and the folks that are in it. And so it really doesn't matter where you're at. We probably got an answer for somebody to come get your sheep shear for you. Good. And uh, we thank you for that. You mentioned the COVID how, uh, I, you know, I, I assume, I, I guess I know it did affect, uh, you know, the, the lamb market a little bit, surprisingly not a whole lot in Ohio, but had, has it had an impact when uh, on the wool market as we look, you know, world and locally crisis? It's been wretched. I mean, it's just wretched what it did to our industry. Um, you know, it broke about this time last year. The, the, the problem that we had was the wool Outside of the fine wool, well, even including the fine wool, the wool market was not in good shape when we got into COVID. You know, the prior to Ju the prior July, uh, the United States and China had got into a spat over trade, and so tariffs were put on wool, and it was making it very, very, very difficult to work wool into China. You may ask, well, why is China so important? Well, that's where the majority of the scouring is done in the world right now is in China. And so they are extremely important to our industry, um, particularly on any wool in this country that needs to go export. So that just shut down. Then we come around into the new year, and then we walk into this thing called COVID or, or coronavirus that no one of us has really heard of before. And now we've all became well-versed on it as we've dealt with it for a year. The first thing that happened to us is we weren't able to get any wool tested. Uh, all the wool in the United States right now is being tested in New Zealand for the most part. And the New Zealand was shut down and couldn't do anything. And so for 30, 35 days, we couldn't get any wool tested. So that caused us to stop. It just totally decimated trade, you know, because all these countries were, were, were struggling. Businesses were being closed or were voluntarily closing. And you just kept working it through the system that 
you know, we went for say three months with absolutely no wool market whatsoever. You couldn't sell nothing if you wanted to sell it. Um, then when it started opening up, it was just opening up a little and the prices weren't very good at all. And some parts of the country, um, there were no marketing going on. The West was, was not able to move anything to speak of. I mean, they were, they were just shut down and we were able to keep moving a little bit of wool. Um, but it was all staying here domestically. And we've been that way all the way through is that we've been able to move a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, our customers do not like the price. Um, I understand that. I hear you. I don't like it either. <laughs> um, I've got wool in the warehouse. I cannot sell, you know, all grades do not have a price. It does have a value, but you just can't sell it. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly right. And we were forced to back in December to settle on some wool. We needed to get, you know, Mid-States doesn't have the ability to carry wool from one year to the next. And, um, you know, price this stuff further on down the road. Um, and so we needed to get, we needed to get everything uh, squared up with the growers. And that wool that we had to pay two cents a pound for because we, you know, there was no value. I mean, what's the value of wool that you can't sell? And, and, and that was the tough decision for the board of directors is again, if you can't sell it, what's the value? And you can say, well, that's what that's worth 50 cents. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We have no idea. Or when's it going to be worth 50 cents in two years. Um, and so we had to do that. And some of that wool is still setting here. Um, without a market, without any opportunities yet um, to get it sold. And um, um, the West is full. Um, I have no idea. I've not talked to any of those guys. Um, as, we, you know, as we got here in the new shearing season, I don't know what they're doing because the warehouses were full and those ranches normally are not set up to be able to start storing wool. Um, so I don't know. You know, I, I don't really know. There's there's all kinds of horror stories that you hear that there's wool stacked here and there's wool stacked there. And we've had com you know, we've had conversations with folks that have called us, particularly on lamb's wool, wanting a price. Well, that's wool that I've got sitting here in the warehouse. I can't get a price on. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're calling me with large volumes, like semi loads, because their normal marketing channels are shut down. You know, they're just, they're now running out of room and trying to find a place to put it. Are synthetics, and, uh, are synthetics then coming in more and more as our product, there isn't a demand for it? Because I assume we're still making fabric. Well, we are. Um, you know, you gotta, you know, if you, if you want to find out where the synthetics fall in the fabric industry, watch the price of oil. As oil goes up, the natural fibers start becoming more competitive, whether it be cotton or whether it be wool. Um, and then, you know, then ultimately there probably was some pressure. I don't know how much because they would have been, you know, you're still dealing with a consumer base that didn't know where their next paycheck was going to come from. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. And so they just weren't buying, you know, they weren't buying period. And so how much, Demand got shifted around in those sectors. I don't really know. Um, I don't like putting more expensive gas in my car to come to work every day. But I do know that that as the oil price goes up, 
those synthetic products now are getting more expensive. And, uh, and those guys have got, I mean, those guys run math. They, they yeah, know where yeah, the stuff yeah, needs yeah. to be at <laughs> and they know when something's going to trade itself in or out. And, um, um, but we just really need to get folks comfortable again. Um, and, and see, and then it's going to come, you know, look at, look at us. We've gone a year now. Um, folks are, 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 have had to get comfortable. I, I see it with my, with my own family. We're kind of comfortable now staying home. And if we need something, we've gotten used to jumping on the internet and just ordering it and it's at the house. Um, I'm a big fan of brick and mortar, but I had, you know, as much as I didn't want to do this, I had no choice because there was restrictions going in. You, you didn't, you know, there was a lot of fear amongst everybody about where you'd been or where I'd been. And now we're together in the store and am I really comfortable doing this? And I don't, you know, cause everybody can tell you a story about standing there in line and somebody's, for whatever reason, whatever your politics are, God bless you. <laughs> but I don't need to hear you without a mask standing behind me coughing. And, and I'm like, you know what? The easiest thing for me to do is <laughs> yeah. be here. A cough and, really uh, has changed the world, uh, the way you look. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know, I heard an article this morning on the on the radio on the way in here. They were talking about flu, how low, how low the flu season was. And, they, and they, whether it's accurate or not, they were contributing to the fact that we're all running around in masks. And that we're all healthier because we're running around in masks. Uh, um, we don't know. Don't, 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 I'm not signing up anytime soon to be the guy that will be the spokesperson of, hey, we all need to wear masks full right, time. Right, no, right. thank you. <laughs> I, I know. Do. Hey, hey, uh, quickly, I, I know you don't deal in a whole lot of the, the spinners and specialty fleeces, uh, uh, but that is a part of the industry. And uh, obviously, when people look at the, the price per pound that they get for some of these, you know, really fine, beautiful colored fleeces, you know, how's that equate to what you're working with? You know, for us, it really doesn't. I mean, it's it, it, it is referred to as a specialty market, as a niche market. You know, uh, the, the demand on, in that world changes daily as, as, as the individuals change on maybe what it is they're looking to make or looking to, you know, to, to buy for something down the road. Um, invariably, those folks are mad and upset at us when the wool they can't get sold comes to the warehouse because most of it is not high value. It's got color, it's coarse, it's got this, it's got that. It's clean, no argument. Clean, they do, a, you know, those folks do a nice job keeping their, keeping their, their wool clean. But from a commercial standpoint, that wool doesn't fit. Unfortunately, from a commercial standpoint and a commercial standpoint only, so everybody don't go get their pitchforks out. A lot of those breeds that are that are growing in popularity don't fit. They they fit for spinners. They fit for the folks that that, that want to do the crafts and, and and the various things there. And we need those folks in our industry. It needs to be, in my view, it needs to be limited because every one of those folks that are raising sheep have a need for the commercial market at one time or another. And then that wool comes in here and it just, it's, it's an outlier. It, it's, it's to be quite frank, it's wool. We got to blend away because it just, it will not, it will not work. <laughs> On the other spectrum, man, how do you view uh, the increase, uh, you know, especially in the Southwest of the hair sheep? 
Where do you think that's going to, where's that going to take that? You know, I tell you what, I, I'm probably different than, than some folks, you know, as a wool manager, I should be in here just screaming and jumping up and down about the, the, you know, the, the horrors and the things about the hair sheep. I, I guess I look at it differently. We don't have, as I said there at the beginning of this, we've lost 17% or so of the U.S. sheep flock since I've been here. The first thing this industry needs, before we can all want to start fighting amongst ourselves, the first thing we need is folks to have sheep. So if you've got hair sheep, God bless you. You've got sheep. And, and you are making a contribution to our industry one way or the other. Now, once we get now, once we would get the U numbers built up, now we can start talking about where does everything fit and what does the industry need and all that stuff. But to me, the first thing we need to talk about is, is how do we get folks to raise sheep and and and, and the profitability, um, you know, about that. The you know the second thing is is as I look at it, is there's parts of this country wool sheep aren't going to work. I'm sorry, they're not. You take a look at the southeast with the heat and the humidity and the moisture. You, Tim, you've raised sheep for a long time. Do you do you have a desire to go down into Mississippi no. and try to raise sheep? You that know? humidity kills me. <laughs> okay, but you can run hair sheep down there. You can run katahdins. You can run dorpers. Look at the amount of, 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 of lamb that this industry has to import every year to meet demand because we don't have enough volume. So to me, it makes sense. Let's push those sheep down there. You know, let's put them down there in an area that they can that they can thrive and they can help our industry out. And for everybody, said, well, but they're not going to produce wool. You can't produce good wool down there anyway. I get some wool out of that world. It's not good. It comes in cotted. It comes in matted. It comes in yellow. The, 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 the environment is not going to let them grow good wool down there anyway. So, I, again, I just think we need to have we need to have more sheep. And if that if that helps us get there, I, I guess I'm all right with that. Oh, I think that's a very broad based attitude. And, uh, you know, it is amazing as we're seeing more and more of the numbers. Uh, let's move. Uh, you know, time's moving on here. Uh New products, anything new out there that's going to help the sheep producer to make life easier? I know we see a lot of, uh, you know, the electronic equipment for the larger producers, but really, if you only have 25 or 30 U's, it's hard to justify that. But uh, uh, is there anything you see that is going to help the smaller producer? Well, I, I don't know if it's going to help them, but I do think the day of EID tags is coming. To where we're going to have to have an electronic tag in the year to market them. I'm not going to be the guy that tells you that everybody's going to need to have a wand. As much as a lot of these folks that are out here preaching this stuff wants everybody to have a wand and wants everybody to have a computer program so that you can track this, that, or whatever else, you know, most of us have got small flocks. What do you want to know? I tell you about each one of those shoes and I'll tell you what she's had. And I, we don't need to go into this. I don't need to have a computer program to to do that. But I do think a, a day is going to come that we're going to have to have that EID tag um, in their ear to be able to market them. Um, Mid-States is looking to that. We've, we've visited with some folks uh, about that. Um, I think we're going to get be able to, to, to possibly have some answers. Um, you know, the sheep industry, again, is not real large. So, you know, some of these companies, their their focus is on the cattle industry. 
whether it's the dairy, whether it's the beef, uh, a lot more volume. Um, so I think that's something. Um, you know, in our little world here, you know, we're moving a lot of, of products to get used bread, um, PG 600 uh, cedars. Um, I see that having a, a, an impact. Um, like in my case, on my own flock, we're going to go heavy into AI. Um, I, I, I view it, I get an opportunity to mate. I, I view this thing as we're going to move into like the cattle and the swine that's been doing this thing for 40 or 50 years. Right. Yeah. And we can actually then walk in and mate use instead of, but the sheep industry is very fond of tradition. And we do not, in our industry, we do not like new things. We like and to turn a fuck out. Yeah. I think the anatomy of the U of the uterus still is so restrictive to make it, you know, like we could AI with hogs and cattle. Uh, we have to do it laparoscopic, so it becomes a surgical procedure. It would be great if we could get over that milestone. Uh, and I know there's a lot of research being done, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, we're, we're about to the end here. Uh, you mentioned your your supply business. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, there's uh, so many things that, uh, you know, we need, I guess. it Are the, the club lambs, is that the biggest part of your market, just filling their needs? Or, uh, you know, how how's that kind of divide out? Are, are in... You know, for us, the show ring is 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 critical. Um, the club lambs leads the charge by a fair margin. There's turnover every year within that. They like to buy things. They like new things. They like to try things. So the opportunity from a, just a sheer sales platform, they give us opportunity. We move over into, as we start moving away from the club land folks, then the road starts to get a little st- steeper for us about folks that don't buy a lot of this stuff new, that don't l- always look to try new things. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not being judgmental of what you do or how you do your, I am not going to tell you how you ought to run your operation. From our standpoint, we put a lot of emphasis on the club lands because their sales opportunity that are there. And if we find the right products in the right price point, we can move a lot of product to them. And um, a lot of those products can work for other other parts of the industry. We just, you know, we don't choose to do that. Unfortunately for us, the commercial segment is, is a small portion and I wish it was larger, but uh, you know, they don't buy a lot of stuff new. They don't, they're, you know, they're looking for warmers and, and, and some vaccines. And, you know, some of them can go direct for those purchases if they have the ability to. So, you know, we have to watch where we, you know, we got to watch our inventory, you know, because it, it, there was times in the past that Mid-States' inventory got to a number that kind of choked on us. And we've worked really hard here the last four or five years to get that number down to where we can manage it and we're comfortable managing it. And I think it served for members better that way instead of having a bunch of money laid in some products that, you know, yeah, it made it sounded good. And yeah, maybe we thought those people would want to buy it, but you know, it does, it does cause a little, you know, it does put a burden on the co-op. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think we probably need to, to wrap this up a, a little bit. Uh, again, we've been speaking with uh, Dave Rowe, the general manager for Mid-States uh, Wool. Uh, cooperative here in, in, in Ohio. Uh, you know, thanks for helping me out with this discussion. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
we know the wool price when you're talking pennies per pound. It uh, it has been you know an area of discussion, but uh, I think everybody does also realize how uh, much up, upheaval there's been in our lives and obviously in the wool market based on the uh, the coronavirus. So uh, again, well, Dave, one thing, Tim, let's make sure you know we haven't mentioned it yet. For all you wool producers that, that happen to listen to this, the best deal going for you right now is be sure that you sign up with the FSA office so that you're eligible for an LDP payment. Right now, it's currently setting at 40 cents. You, you know, I hear people say, I'm going to throw it in the ditch. Don't throw it in the ditch. It's worth that 40 cents is more than blackface wool has brought in the last seven to eight years. You know, your, your bank and your bank account aren't going to care where that money comes from. Trust me, they're not. Don't throw away 40 cents. You, you need to get your wool into the into a facility, get rid of it. You get a waste slip, and then you take that waste slip to the FSA office and, and get your 40 cents. And again, if any of the producers out there, uh, this is a good point to mention. If you're not familiar with going to the FSA office, I guess our crop producers uh, obviously are more uh, used to doing that. But through this whole COVID thing, you know, there have been dollars available in the relief package for sheep producers. And part of that was uh, this uh, working with the wool. So, yeah, you just got to turn that in. You can't really go into the FSA offices in person, uh, but you, you do need to contact those in every county, although a couple of the counties work together. But, uh, yeah, make sure there are dollars out there for you to help support uh, the wool you have. So that's a good point. Well, again, uh, I think we will wrap this up. Again, big thank you to Dave. Uh, been very informative. Thank you for your uh, input and help for the sheep industry here in Ohio. We, uh, as a producer myself, I guess uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, thank, thank you. you. And uh, this, uh, I guess, uh, will be the end of this uh, session of the, the Sheep Barn. And we look back and I look forward to having some other uh, industry people here with us in the future. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This was episode two of The Sheep Barn. As a reminder, find more content from the OSU Sheep team at sheep.osu.edu. If you have any comments or suggestions, use the link in show notes to let us know how we did. Thanks and have a great day.